Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet, one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content, so if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is G, and G is for group sex. I get lots of questions about whether being polyamorous means that you have a lot of group sex. In short, no. You can have group sex as a one-off fantasy event, as part of a non-monogamous relationship style like swinging, or as part of a polyamorous relationship. There are as many polyamorous folks who are not fond of kinky sex as there are ones who enjoy it. That said, group sex is defined as sex with any more than two people participating. I include when people are watching as participants, as observers always impact upon what they observe. Enjoying group sexual activities requires a degree of self-confidence and sexual confidence. If you have no confidence, you are likely to spend the entire time feeling self-conscious, and that is not at all fun. Part of feeling confident when it comes to a group experience can be down to the atmosphere and planning that goes into the experience. Some environments bring together people who know each other, and others bring together strangers. It takes a different type of confidence to manage an environment full of strangers than it does an environment full of friends and acquaintances. Having said that, some people actually find the environment full of strangers to be far easier to negotiate than an environment where they know people, as they worry much less about being judged by strangers than they do about pe- by people that they know. Dr. Catherine Frank spent a year studying all different types of group sex. She points out in her introduction to her book that images of group sex can be found in Paleolithic cave art and that many societies throughout the ages have engaged in group sex. Group sex comes in a variety of flavors. Threesomes or menage a trois which looks very much like what it says, three people engage in sex with each other. This can take the form of any mix of genders or sexual orientations. Having a threesome with another woman is one of the most popular male fantasies. Single bisexual women are often sought after by couples, heterosexual couples who want to engage in this type of group sex, and they are called unicorns because they can be very hard to find. 
Couples playing together is the next most common form of group sex. This is usually done privately. Couples may meet online through swinging sites and sometimes at swingers clubs. As long as all members of the couples are excited by the idea, this can be one of the easiest group sex combinations for couples, as there tends to be less jealousy because everyone is involved. Wife swapping. Now these parties became popular in the 60s and 70s and have had a resurgence since the 90s when the internet became uh, much more easily accessible. It was popular to have the swaps be random so as to limit jealousy, and this led to key parties in which all the car keys were put into a bowl, and each man or woman chose a key from the bowl, and the owner of the key was the partner for the evening. Swinging. Now, not all swingers engage in group sex. At many swingers clubs and parties, you'll see a variety of groups activities. Many people enjoy watching at swingers clubs and parties. Dogging is a largely British practice where people meet in large car parks and have sex in cars whilst others watch. Sometimes spots are simply known as dogging spots. Other times groups are arranged via email with some participating and some watching. Orgies are often seen to be larger groups having sex together or next to each other. Bathhouses catered primarily to gay men and in the pre-AIDS days were often anonymous sex. These days, anonymous sex still happens, but more people are aware of the risks they are taking and insist on condoms and other barrier methods of protection when engaging in group and or anonymous sex. At present, Japan still has the record for the largest orgy, 250 couples having sex together. Orgies are often seen to be more decadent and sometimes have a more negative connotation than group sex. In gangbangs, usually one person is being fucked and many people are fucking. Most often it is a woman who is being fucked and men who are fucking her. However, this is not always the case. As with all other sexual activity, consent is essential. In supercharged sexual environments, people can assume that others consent merely by being present. This is not true. Being present does not mean that someone has consented to participate in any activities. Specific consent must be sought and granted in order to involve someone in a group sex activity. By definition, group sex involves having sexual contact with more than one person. This raises the risk of catching sexually transmitted infections. If you want to lower your risk, use condoms, dental dams, and gloves. Remember that condoms need to be changed each time they enter a different hole. Don't go from anus to vagina without changing condoms or you're asking for an infection. The purpose of the condom is to feed it if you don't change it between people. Bring lots of supplies to parties even when they say they are supplying them, just in case. Does group sex appeal to you? If it does, here are some tips to make your first and next and next experiences good ones. First, if you're going to engage with your partner, spend time discussing your desires and negotiating the rules before you engage. Make sure to cover contact with other partners after the experience, boundaries, like are there any activities that are off limits, and how you will manage if the experience is not going well. Will you have a signal to stop the action or leave the party? And what will you do to reconnect after? 
Next, make sure you know what type of party or experience you are attending. There are so many different types of parties. Some have really strict rules that they give out in advance. For example, there are parties that are female only or male only or queer only. Some have different themes. Find out the expectations before you get to the event. Agree what you're going to do if you're bored or if no one's doing anything. You'd be surprised how often these situations are awkward and no one appears to be starting anything and a whole evening can go by with nothing happening because nobody was willing to make the first move. Are you willing to get things started? If so, how will you do it? Try lots of different activities. Daisy chains are great fun because everybody is giving and receiving. This, uh, often daisy chains are all oral sex, so that's fairly easy to orchestrate. Take a turn as the center of attention and see how it feels to experience at least a few people playing with you at once. This can include penetration or not, depending on your boundaries and how you feel at the time. Spend your time bringing pleasure to a number of people. Focus on them and on giving, not receiving. Or why not be a voyeur for the night? Confine yourself to watching others and masturbating and see what that is like. Maybe you'll choose to have some light kink during the sex and in a spanking or have somebody be in charge and orchestrate all of the actions. That can be a lot of fun. Or maybe you'll get involved in a game. Sometimes people play games like Twister and it becomes sexual twister because everyone's naked. Try a sexual activity you've not tried before. Never given a rim job? Why not try it that night? At the same time, recognize you won't be able to do everything and be part of everything. Sometimes fear of missing out can paralyze a person. Don't worry, there will be other times. Try to stay in the now and enjoy what you're doing. Pace yourself. All of this activity is very exciting and the temptation to jump into everything is really intense. Careful or you'll burn out or become overwhelmed. It's best if you know what overwhelms you and what happens when you get overwhelmed because then you can plan the things you need to calm you down. Some people just take a couple of minute time out. Um, they sit on the sidelines and watch or they do some breathing exercises. Others go into the snack area and grab something to eat or drink. It's important to, to remember to eat and drink. I know that sounds ridiculous, but sometimes when people get really excited, they forget these things. And if your blood sugar's a mess, you're more likely to have an emotional reaction. Um, it might be a pleasant emotional reaction, but it also might be unpleasant. So you're much better off making sure that you're adequately fed. Also, you want to keep your energy up. Um, sugar is great for that immediate boost, but it tends to provide an up and crash, up and crash scenario. So if you can have protein um, and um, complex carbohydrates that are actually going to give you the opportunity to have things sustain over a longer period of time. For a sugar burst rather than chocolate or candy, try fruit. That might, um, uh, tends to be a little bit better. But if you're going to have chocolate, make sure it's good chocolate. Um, I also recommend people limit the amount of alcohol that they drink. You really do want to be conscious of everything going on around you. You want to make decisions that you're comfortable with later. And as alcohol lowers inhibitions, that can make that more difficult. 
If you overdrink, you might find yourself forgetting what's happened or in situations that you really don't want to be in. So it's best if you limit the amount of alcohol you drink. And I also suggest that people limit their drug use as well if they tend to use drugs. Again, just so that you have the feeling that you are in better control and the reality that you're in better control. Try out different types of group scenarios and see what you prefer. Do you like just adding one or one to your two? Or if you're single, do you like joining a couple? That can be great fun. What about swapping with one other couple if you're in a couple? Do you like attending a small party of only 15 people or so? What about a large event of over 100? There's really no right way to do this. And what's important is that you have the op opportunity to experiment and to decide how you feel with your experimentation. The idea is to have fun. Um, and if you're not giving yourself the opportunity to experiment, you could be left with one or two boring or even bad experiences, and, and that defeats the purpose. If you attend a party or a club, remember to observe other people's boundaries. There's absolutely nothing worse than being interrupted in the middle of some beautiful sex with somebody asking if they can join in very abruptly. If you find it hard to figure out how and when to join in, ask one of the organizers or someone who's been doing this for a while for some guidance, and often they'll be very happy to help. Be clear about your boundaries and don't feel pressured to change them in the middle of a party. I always advise it's best not to change your boundaries whilst you're in the midst of things because you can be doing that as a result of the excitement and feeling pressured and later be unhappy that you've done so. Try to remember that this isn't the only opportunity you will have to engage in group sex and stick to the agreements you made with yourself beforehand. And also, if you're part of a couple, the agreements you made before attending. I highly recommend that if you're going as a single, you still sit down and make some decisions about what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. So, for example, I know some people who will say, I am not going to go home with anyone I meet. I'm happy to be with them at the party, but I won't be leaving and going to their home. Or I'm not going to give anybody my contact details. I'll take theirs and I'll think about it afterwards and make the decision afterwards as to what I'm going to do in terms of contact. Or I don't want to be in any photographs. Now, most private parties have a no photo photography rule. Um, and people, you know, aren't allowed to bring in their phones. Nothing that could mean that a photograph ends up being posted on social media or anywhere else. Some larger gatherings will have an official photographer and you will have the opportunity to decide if you want to be photographed or not. And there will be ways, often a sticker or something that's easily seen um, so that they know whether you can be photographed or not photographed. Even if you're willing to be photographed, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's an agreement to have your photograph posted. So you get to make a choice there. Make these decisions before you go. That way, you know that you've made them when you're sober and when your hormones are in a normal place and your energy is in a normal place. 
Rejection can feel awful at any time. And it can feel especially awful at a party or a club. Try not to take it personally. You won't be everyone's cup of tea, but then not everyone will be yours either. When you reject someone, do it nicely, but also firmly. Don't give the idea that if they push a little harder, you'll say yes. So I, I know that, and it's particularly a thing I see women do, is you try and let someone down lightly because you don't want to hurt their feelings. You don't want to insult them, but then you're not clear about what you're saying. And because you're not clear, they think that you're saying maybe or a little later and they'll keep persisting and that can get quite annoying. When they finally do get the message, they'll feel worse because it's likely that if they've been pushing you and pushing you, you're going to be a bit harsher in the way that you give that message. So try to practice this if you're not good at it before the party. Practice some of the things you might say to reject somebody in a nice but firm manner. Don't feel pressurized into doing something with someone if you don't want to. Remember the point is to have fun. It may feel awkward at first. In fact, I would be surprised if it didn't. Take some deep breaths, and if you aren't feeling relaxed, maybe you can find someone to help you with a light massage. At some events, there are people who want to do that. Um, at some events, there are professionals around who do that. If this first event isn't for you, head home and chalk it up to experience, and then decide if it was the event or the whole idea of group sex that was the issue. Spend some time looking at this. Think about it carefully. If it was the event, what was it about the event? Were the people not to your liking or taste? Was the music too loud? Was the atmosphere uncomfortable? Were there too many people or too few? If you're still interested, find another event to try. Make it a different type of event if you decided that that was part of the problem. If not, just the variety can make the difference between a good event and an event that's not so much fun. And remember, there are events that have good nights and bad nights because the same people don't attend every time. So don't necessarily rule out a particular event because you had one bad experience there or one boring experience there. I would rule out events if um, I had a bad experience and the organizers didn't handle it well. So, for example, if uh, somebody was violating consent, being very pushy, touching without permission, and I brought that to the attention of the organizers and they didn't help me handle the situation and they didn't sanction the person who did it, then I would probably avoid that event in the future. Make it a practice of talking to organizers before you decide to go to an event, because the more information you've got, the more likely you are to find an event that's going to rock your world. Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of sex. Write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at a to z of sex.com. That's A T O. Z or Z-O-F-S-E-X dot com. 
and visit both of my websites, a to z of sex.com and the intimacy coach.com to learn about polyamory, kink, group sex, alternative sexual choices, how to spice up your sexual relationship, and to learn to sizzle and create your ideal lasting intimate relationship. For a free 30 minute session with me, head over to a to z of sex.com and click on the button that says book now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher and please subscribe. Join me next week when the letter will be H. And H is a serious topic. H is for HIV, herpes, and other sexually transmitted infections. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.